This week on Behind the PFP, I realized you taught me today was that money does grow on trees. When you said that the cacao bean grows on trees. <laughs> we can do everything uh, central exchange typically does, just decentralized, trustlessly and better. We don't really like these kind of godlike figures that you have in some protocols of these people that are leading them and are so important to their success or failure. At the end of the day, we're doing something decentralized, something that should be a bit nameless and more, you know, let the code talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we, we like uh, Alux being a spirit. I'm just a spirit for a while. I will be guiding a bit on what's happening, but uh, I will fade and and you guys will take it away. Crypto for me is not an NFT. Crypto for me, it's a way to, to bring freedom, economic security, uh, and just a future of prosperity for so many talented individuals all over the world, but especially in places where it's needed most, like Latin America. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the PFP. Today, I am very excited to introduce someone that I had the pleasure of meeting at the Crosschain Expo back over the summer in Austin. He is also the co-founder of Maya Protocol. Welcome to the show, Ilex. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jade. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Did I say that correctly? That's perfect. That's perfect. Now, you were just telling me a minute ago the inspiration for your pseudonym yeah um well we we are obviously very much inspired by the maya culture i'm very proud of uh, our heritage as mexicans and uh, for our pseudonyms we were uh kind of we just naturally went to a, a list of different kind of uh maya mythical entities uh and, and gods and stuff like that so for instance or, or lead david samna that's just kind of a sun god uh, whereas Alux, which is the one I chose, which I really just chose it because it sounds cool and looks cool, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but it's just kind of a spirit uh, that kind of uh, uh, exists there. And, and what we like also that uh, that makes sense with what we're building is that we don't really like these kind of godlike figures that you have in some protocols of these people that are leading okay. them and are so important to their success or failure. At the end of the day, we're doing something decentralized, something that should be a bit nameless and more, you know, let the code talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we, we like uh, Alux being a spirit. I'm just a spirit for a while. I will be guiding a bit on what's happening, but uh, I will fade and and you guys will take it away. So uh, a bit on, on behind the name. <laughs> I like the spirit guide. No, I definitely want to get into Maya and I want to get into the inspiration. Um, but leading into that, I want to know a bit about you and your background and what led you down the crypto rabbit hole. I also know that you're a self-described serial entrepreneur. So I'm hoping you can walk me down a little bit, you know, your path, maybe your previous businesses and what your first crypto experience was. I am uh, an engineer as well, uh, majored in engineering. Uh, here in Mexico, um, I've always worked for, so I, I have, I've been kind of in the entrepreneurial space for around 13 years. Uh, I have a partner who also is a co-founder of, of Maya that, uh, has been with me in all of that journey. And we will obviously, we've made and, bro- and, and broken 
several different businesses in several different realms. And kind of what merged emerged from our experiences was a specialization in uh, business scalability uh, and just scalable business models in general. Um, and it doesn't get more scalable than crypto. Uh, it's just something uh, very beautiful seeing like just the code being replicated, uh, borderless, um, the, the ownership that is also so scalable uh, versus, you know, typical startup uh, uh, structures. So I, I just, we just found that fascinating. Personally, I was involved in crypto since earlier, since around 2016, 2017, started to do some research. Um, and I just love the math, economic, uh, social, kind of everything together. I find it like pretty cool. Uh, I started kind of reading white papers, setting up, you know, my cult wallet, doing all that stuff. I uh, found it super, super interesting. Uh, and just, you know, always had some research going on on, on on crypto. 2021 in April, as the Thorchain mainnet was launching, um, I had the I was I had the pleasure to already be an LP on Rune ETH, and uh, yeah, I just you know started getting more involved, found it fascinating, and I heard a webinar about some dev of the Thorchain community mentioning that there could eventually be more than one network involved and how that would work. And I just thought, like, I want to be second. <laughs> so uh, uh, we got we got to work. Um, so some people from the software development company uh, went over to to Maya, and we started working. Then got got a bit of family funding, then got a bit of friends funding, and then continued on and got some Series A funding. <laughs> that's what we've been doing ever since. So uh, yeah, that's a bit on my background. I don't have I don't know if you have a, a specific question. So I, I definitely heard in a previous interview that you were a Thorchad liquidity provider. And then you heard one of the devs speaking in an interview that Thorchain was just going to be the first of several and yeah. you wanted to be number two. That was something that was very important to you. I think a question that I have and a lot of other people have is why does there need to be multiple? I was wondering if you could explain that a bit more to me. Sure. There's, there's several reasons. The first I would say is if you believe if you believe there is a multi-chain future, so there won't be a convergence around just one protocol, rather a divergence of several chains, then obviously the centralized multi-chain infrastructure is super important. And if you agree that it is super important, then you need redundancy, right? Uh, it's like being alive is very important, but I need to get from point A to point B rapidly, so I take a plane, but I don't want, if one engine goes off, me dying, so I get a second motor, right? A second engine. Uh, and that's what happens in commercial airlines, right? They, they, they fly with two motors just in case the, the plane can fly perfectly with one. So, so likewise, if it's so important that, that you don't, uh, uh, that as an infrastructure thing to keep things going, to keep the crypto market alive, you know, the centralized fashion, which is, you know, why Nakamoto founded this in the first place. Um, then you need redundancy and redundancy of course requires uh, spending. So it doesn't come for free uh, typically. Um, and uh, yeah, if you believe, you know, Thorchain can be offline for a while, it has been, it's normal. Maya will be as well. Um, there can be also, uh, uh, you know, state capture of a protocol that's entirely possible, costly, but possible. Um, if uh, you take into account that you know, there, there will be different chain spreads. 
then I think it just makes sense. Um, then there's more kind of deeper reasons. Uh, just having more liquidity on the centralized exchanges, it makes sense. It will lead to less slippage uh, in, in the centralized game. At the end of the day, it's also not Maya versus Thorchain or Thorchain versus Uniswap. It's, you know, Dexes versus Sexes. That's it. That's that's the game. So uh, just the more people in the space, more teams, more decentralization, more eyes on the code, more development. Um, so all of that makes sense. Um, there's also ways to have synergy, you know, arbitrage between both protocols, eventually becoming a price leader together, which would reduce uh, uh, incremental loss and other stuff. So uh, we really just make sense. But Thorchain, at the end of the day, is also the incumbent. They're the big, they're the big guys in town in the cross-chain space. So uh, uh, Maya needs to also innovate a bit and bring some stuff to the to the playing field to to have its uh, chance to 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 shine. So uh, that's that's what we've been working on the la- the, the last half of a year year and a half. I was hoping you could tell us what is Maya, what sets you guys apart. I know that you are launching too. I had a couple of questions about that, but just give us a quick TLDR about what is Maya for people that don't want to read the 110 page white paper expansion, which I did skim through just before this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, Maya is a cross-chain DEX. Uh, it allows you to swap between different chains um, with no wrapping, no pegging, no smart contracts. Um, so essentially, you can go Bitcoin on Bitcoin chain to ETH on Ethereum network flawlessly. Uh, Torchin does this already. We actually use most of their code. And what we bring to the table is simply increased capital efficiency by changing what nodes bond. Instead of them bonding kind of this rune, which is a guarantee that will you know remain in a vault, uh, they... they uh, bond LP units. So they, they, they bond capital that's going out to work, uh, which just makes a, the design more efficient. Uh, and that should increase both the liquidity that's working, decreasing slippage, as well as the perceived yield on that liquidity, which will attract more liquidity. And liquidity is the most important thing we need to chase. So uh, that's that's more or less what we bring to the table. Also, uh, given that you know we have the benefit of hindsight, we're also launching in a more fair fashion, I believe, uh, with our liquidity auction design, which is pretty interesting. We're essentially giving away the utility token to whoever has liquidity. And we also take advantage of the economic security of Maya to secure other chains. And you know, that's that's another mouthful, but uh, uh, you know, you'll find out more in the future about that. So one thing I've heard you speak about before is that you hate IDOs and you want this to be the fairest launch. I also heard you say that none of the founders will be able to sell Thermaya. So yeah. curious, you know, kind of what gave you this idea? Will this truly be the fairest launch? Typically an IDO process, I take a token, which is usually the native utility token of the network. I keep a lot of it, I love a lot of it for myself and for my investors. And I sell out in, in an IDO uh, at some, you know, some price somehow. There, there's different uh, price setting methods, uh, but I, at, a, at a certain price, the token and the funds come over to me, to my personal wallet, and I could literally disappear the next day. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, the, the people are left with no assurances. Uh, another problem is 
you know, once the token is worth something and it's overhyped for some reason, I can easily dump on them and use, use their liquidity as my exit liquidity, which is obviously wrong. Uh, and even if I don't do it mischievously over time as the protocol does well and I start to vest, uh, I will have a tendency to liquidate and, uh, my position slowly and that will generate sell pressure on the token. Uh, limiting its its natural growth and and obviously uh, to the detriment of of not only the community but the product itself because let's let's understand these things are products that chain is doing something and if the internal economy is dependent on this token and you're making it be worth less the economy is being hurt by it um, so you're essentially causing inflation to circulating token um, so we take that throw it out the window and start again. And um, so let's understand what Maya needs. Maya needs a lot of liquidity. Maya needs to protect its native token very jealously. And Maya needs uh, the founders and the team to be incentivized for the long term. So if those are kind of our, uh, you know, our tenants, what can we do about it? Uh, so what we came up with is a liquidity auction design with a dual token, which essentially means that all of the cacao will be, will be given away to LPs at the birth of the protocol. So let's say you, you have Bitcoin and, you know, your friend that's ETH and people are adding these different tokens in these different chains to Maya chain. So first, it's not coming to me. It's coming the different nodes that protect Maya chain at that time will, will be holding uh, uh, um custody over, over those funds. And as more nodes come in from the market, that will be more decentralized very quickly. So there's a very fast plan to have these auction funds be uh, uh, adequately protected, right? And it's not a promise, it's just part of the design of the system already. Um, now people add all of these, and this is put into these LP pools, uh, and then Cacao is given birth to and just donated into those pools. Most all of it, uh, the only 10% that's not is just there for the impermanent loss protection reserve. Uh, so it's essentially all for the community, all for the LPs. Um, so what that does is that immediately it essentially doubled the position of, of the community because of how AMMs work. You know, AMM takes that whatever one side is worth, so your Bitcoin, uh, the other side, which is a donated cacao, will be worth as well. Obviously, uh, people will keep their liquidity there because there's swaps going on and they're getting yield, else they would leave. So it's not it's not a, a scheme or anything. It's just uh, how the incentives work. Um, just small caveat there. We made the economic design where if if your lockup period is very short, 21 days, for instance, um, you do get some type of penalty. Instead of doubling your position, you just increase it by 34%. Uh, whereas if you are in it for the long haul, I think it's six months the maximum, you're getting some of the penalty of others to yourself. So it's all PVP. It's not going to us. It's not going to the team. It's all staying in the pools so that when we open the doors for swaps, there's already a lot of liquidity there and cacao is not worth a lot. And now notice why protecting cacao price is so important because it is essentially retaining the economic power uh, of the pools and thus their depth and thus little slippage, which will uh, increase affordability and bring more swap demand. Uh, so it's very important to keep cacao. And if I had cacao as the team member, then I could conceivably 
change that cacao for BTC and take liquidity out of the system. So I don't want the team having cacao from the beginning. Instead, what we do is we share with the team 10% of the swap fees and all the transaction fees and everything. So in itself, it's already a vesting mechanism, if you notice. Uh, for every $9 nodes and LPs earn, the, the devs, investors, founders earn $1. And this $1 isn't just divided to Maya token holders, which is just, you know, within the protocol, uh, it's also a native token, but it, it's no, of no use really, it has no governance rights, nothing of the sort. Um, and this is just shared every 24 hours, denominated in cacao. So if we launch, for instance, and there's there's not a lot of usage of the protocol, but cacao price is very high because it has a lot of liquidity. We cannot just simply, you know, exit, dump and leave. We have no cacao. Uh, um, if there are no swaps, we have zero cacao. Just swaps start have to start flowing in utility, revenues, real yield uh, for us to make a cent. So uh, we have our incentives aligned. Uh, and it's for the long haul, right? Because if we just demonstrate a few swaps now, it will give us just very few cacao. We need to have a lot of cacao coming in reliably over a lot of time. And that means a lot of revenues for the community. Uh, and additional to that, uh, the founder's stake on Maya cannot be sold. So whereas an investor, dev, community member, somebody that bought in some round can liquidate their assets eventually if they want to, um, the founders can never really liquidate their Maya token. Uh, so then how did we earn from the cacao that started flowing in? So our interest is to have a long-lasting, long-living protocol that is generating you know, yield for a long, 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 long time in order for us to, to make back uh, what we spent, essentially, and, and all, the, all the sweat and tears. So uh, uh, it just makes sense as a design, I think. It's super fair. You know, whoever added more liquidity gets more cacao. Whoever stays the longest gets more cacao. Um, people can withdraw. Uh, cacao is all circulating. It's all available. There's no, you know, weird reserves or weird uh, uh, supplies coming out of nowhere. Uh, it's just all straightforward. So that, that's what we set out to do. And I believe the design we chose, you know, ticks all the right boxes. I've been speaking with a lot of founders recently, and there's this big decision of when to launch a protocol, you know, whether to do it in a bull market or a bear market, that's a big decision. And you guys had the opportunity to launch in the bull market, which would have been an easy cash grab, I can imagine, which would have been good for your investors. But you guys chose to delay a little bit and you're launching in what is truly the depths of a bear market in the midst of peak FUD. Uh, can you walk yeah. through a little bit more about that decision and, and kind of what led you to this point? That was a difficult decision, but what we needed to make, obviously, we want, uh, at, at, the, at the end, we are mission-driven, right? We want Maya uh, to have the best shot at moving the envelope forward in the decentralized space uh, of DeFi, of cross-chain. Uh, we really believe in the mission statement of, you know, separate money from state. And I think we can achieve it with crypto. We could have just launched uh, the protocol as is, you know, no, no capital efficiency increase, no liquidity option, no shenanigans, uh, no, no, you know, security chains, anything of that nature. Um, we could have just said, you know, cacao. Let's say thirty percent goes to to us and our investors, and uh, the rest we IDO out and we launch. Uh, we could have done that in December of twenty twenty one. So you know, fight peak 
uh, of the market. So uh, we took the decision that that was not what was best. Uh, it would have had the shallow liquidity. It wouldn't have brought anything to the table. Uh, it would also be detrimental to the protocol because if the bear case did happen of you know the, the big drop that was expected already, uh, and with us, with the liquidity at launch, all liquidity would have decreased in the percentage numbers that the market decreased. And we saw that with Thorchain. But, you know, Thorchain, it, they launched in a, in a bear. So even now in this new bear, their token price is higher than it was last bear. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense. It doesn't seem like a, like a failed protocol. Whereas Maya just launching in a bull, just a copycat, uh, and launching quickly and all, all of these tokens that the devs have, they didn't develop any code anyway. It would have been just fatal uh, for the long-term uh, prospects of the protocol. Yes, we could have cashed in, I think, quite a bit and quite more easily, uh, but I don't think we would have brought anything to, to crypto or DeFi. So uh, we took the difficult decision uh, to, to put in the work, bring in a few changes, uh, launch fairly, wait for the bear to start and launch then and, and all, of that, all of that. And I think it was the right decision. Now the opposite happens. Now, whatever liquidity we, we do raise uh, in the next bull, it will be, you know, five to 10x easily. So uh, even if we just raise, I don't know, 10 or $20 million, that's easily 10 or 200 million, what, sorry, 100 or $200 million in the next bull cycle. Uh, which is already respectable liquidity for a protocol. So um, that that is, and cacao is correlated to the price of the assets it secures. So we will see also a nice hockey stick towards towards the ceiling in that regard. So a community will be happy. It will generate a lot of stimuli for, for the swapping and, and synths and savers and all that because of the uh, economic growth. Uh, so that will generate a lot of revenues, which in turn will generate, uh, generate cacao for, for Maya holders. Um, we have brought something to the space. People can see it in our code base on GitLab. Uh, we have a, a, a nice white paper describing everything that we've worked on. Our code was audited by Halborn. The, the audit's finished in nine days, actually, 19th of January. We're excited about that. Um, so I think in general, it was a sound decision, a difficult one. A difficult one to follow up with because uh, obviously liquidity has been sparse, uh, but we've made do uh, uh, however we could, and, and we're still here. And, and you know, we're just a few weeks from lunch, so very happy for that to happen soon. I have to tell you, this is a project that I personally have been very excited about. I have been very bullish on the cross chain space, and when I got to meet you, I, I had. You know, when you meet someone, you have just a good vibe, and that's what I had. <laughs> I, that's what I had when I met you. I remember just thinking, "Oh, what's this Maya thing? I'm gonna get an airdrop from just for holding my rune." But as I've gotten to know you, and as I've been following the project, I am getting more excited about it. And then with recent events, of course, Celsius, FTX, and you know, centralized exchanges, kind of this domino effect. I do think there is a bigger opportunity for people like you to come in and step in and have a great user experience and show people the value of DeFi. And yeah. to hear you come in and speak and know that there's not going to be some token unlocks investing period and that you are committed and that you are in it for the long haul, that gives me a little bit more of a warm and fuzzy feeling as opposed to this frothy bull market where there was just yield everywhere and knowing that this is more of that real yield narrative. You're going to get paid off the swaps. Uh, 
I definitely have enjoyed hearing that. So yeah, yeah. Well, Central Exchanges fumbled the ball. Truly, uh, people trusted them uh, a bit unwarrantedly, uh, but they did. I hope. I hope we learn as a community, uh, as a society, uh, that central players will inevitably start taking decisions that are against your interests, mm-hmm. just because uh, they're not you. <laughs> uh, they're in a different game than you are. So uh, the question is, how do we make all of these PVP with economical incentives that are aligned between all the players involved? Just as now, you know, nodes are incentivized to protect the network, LPs to add liquidity, uh, users to to swap here because uh, uh, they don't require any KYC and they don't have any fund custody and devs because the more swaps that come in, the more we earn. So it's so it's just an ecosystem that that is in the same boat and is rowing on the same direction. Uh, and you know, there's no 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 one's interest is to sink the, the ship. Um, and you know, pointing out the huge success Fortune had, you know, during all of these, Fortune is still inking away swaps, you know, uh, and you know, bringing up new features and adding more liquidity to their vaults. Uh, so I'm super proud of what these guys have done. Uh, they're, they're truly an amazing team. Uh, someone we, some people we really do look up to quite a bit, uh, and it just shows the power of decentralized protocols. They're still around. Uh, and I don't mean L1s, I just mean those DEXs that are truly committed to, to the centralized exchanging. The, you know, the code is sound and it will just keep working and keep, keep, keep doing, doing everything we need for us. So we just need to come up with more creative ways to bring in new features. Uh, I don't know if you read the latest, uh, perp, uh, um, proposal by Torch and Dev Team. I found it amazing. Looking forward to lending as well. And all of that, and all of that would would also be coming to Maya after some time. So I just think it's it's the most exciting time for DeFi. I Is think, that too. some alpha for us? Yeah, well, uh, we're backwards compatible with Thorchain. So whatever you see Thorchain doing, we can probably do as well. Um, not everything, for instance, POL. Uh, needs to have a bit of a different design in Maya. POL is protocol on liquidity, so essentially liquidity not owned by any player, rather by the protocol itself as kind of last resort liquidity. In our cases, we, we have no cacao at the beginning or the reserve doesn't have any either. Uh, it needs to come from somewhere. So we're also going to pass on a percentage of fees to POL. Or, or we'll see how we do that. Uh, but all the rest, uh, so since savers, lending, uh, perps, uh, order books uh, that Potion is working on today. Um, we we are obviously going to help uh, bring to fruition, but can also enjoy its fruit. So uh, looking forward to that. In a previous interview, you said regulators be damned when you were discussing <laughs> Maya. And- <laughs> You you give some, <laughs> you give some great sound bites by the way um, when you were discussing Maya as a potential security in some jurisdictions and that was a reason for you know your team's anonymity I was wondering does this mean that we'll be seeing Monero added to Maya in the near future So I, I love privacy coins and I think you know in a different world Monero could have been the Bitcoin of our world if it had just been you know brought to life earlier. Bitcoin was, I believe, kind of a proof of concept. 
uh, and very, very successful at that and now has kind of a lot of incumbency in the market. Uh, but I, I love privacy. At the end of the day, look, privacy is what we have by default in real life. When when I give you cash or in ancient times when I gave, gave you a bit of wood, I didn't have to declare it to everybody else around that I did, right? Uh, privacy is super important to what makes us human. Uh, um, and, and also a very important component of liberty, of freedom. So, so I believe it's something we need to focus a lot on. Uh, that said, we have to understand the, the timing of things, right? So we have the short term versus the long term. Uh, in the short term, there will be a lot of pin down on, on privacy. And as a, as a decentralized exchange, we're already juggling quite a few things, right? We're already not doing KYC. We're already doing no AML. Uh, we are already, you know, not following any other regulation brought by the state. Uh, it, it already doesn't pay taxes by default. We some people have to do that themselves. Uh, so there's already a lot of baggage in that train. Um, so if, if you add privacy too soon, when you're still too small to to make it. Uh, then it can be detrimental and terminal, catastrophic for your protocol. Um, so I think the rationale Torchin has and currently in my as well is, look, let's get a true DEX out there that is already doing everything that sex can do, but better, right? And, and once that's done and that's secure and that's big enough that it won't fail anymore, it's already battle-tested, it's already running on bare metal nodes, uh, the government is is unable to bring it down because they're just already holding too much liquidity. It would, would be too expensive to bring them down. Now you introduce privacy into them, um, either directly or through a third org, just hosting all of these privacy coins and making that kind of like opt-in. What do you want to do? Do you want to swap through Torchin and Maya that are open or do you want to go through the privacy uh, route? So. With all of that in mind, uh, that, like it's just a timing thing. Like, guys, be patient. <laughs> we're, we're we're breaking ground here, uh, and we're trying to make it work. Uh, and we're chasing like more than half of our job is just chasing liquidity for the protocol. And these those liquidity doors, many will close if we're related to privacy, right? So we just only need to have a lot of liquidity, uh, a, a lot of inertia. Uh, and then start looking at those options. So, uh, yeah. Now, whereas in another in another hand, uh, protocols that can have privacy transactions but can have them open as well, those are probably fine from the very beginning. Um, so we we will focus on those earlier because um, we, we we think that that will sound better because you know, we're not involved in the privacy. We're doing open transactions that are visible, that are public. And, you know, if somebody then does it privately, that's that's their prerogative. Uh, it's like me giving cash to you and, you know, declaring that openly to the state and then you, you know, giving a back alley cash transaction. That's, I didn't do anything, you did, right? Um, so, yeah, that that's more or less where, where my heart lies. I love privacy. I wish uh, Bitcoin were Monero from the beginning. Uh, it wasn't where, alas, we're here. Things are by default public, and and if we're gonna have to juggle a lot. I think that should be a ball we add later in the game. So not never, just not now. Like I look in my view, 
uh, crypto was already very big last cycle, mm-hmm. and it will considerably be bigger next cycle as there are more use cases, more technology. You know, zero knowledge proofs are becoming huge. There starts to be, you know, more uh, uh, visibility, awareness, uh, user experience, technology. You know, what Torch and I are doing, all of that. So, once the market is bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, keep in mind, this means governments are already getting less powerful. So let's say that you're Argentina. And in the past, you were used to just, you know, you need more money. You just inflate your token, uh, your shitcoin, which is your local currency. Um, and, and you know, the population there has to eat it, you know. Uh, they have to eat the inflation. They have to eat the hit. Uh, and, and they have no other option. Uh, but now they do. Uh, you know, we have one employee in Argentina. We just pay them with Bitcoin. Um, so now people, now that people have a choice, it is stopping uh, a very important and last resource method of governments funding themselves. Um, also, as more people go to crypto, there will inevitably also be less taxes raised, even if people are good citizens and all of that. Uh, it, it just changes the dynamics of when and where you pay taxes. Um, so, uh, with that in mind and people having less, for instance, seizing assets now, it's very difficult. Uh, seizing Bitcoin is not straightforward at all, uh, unless, less so Monero and others. So, uh, because of that over time, I think government right now will start doing kind of the kicks of some of the man drowning, uh, which is increasing regulation, just, you know, a lot of yelling, a lot of doing, a lot of activity, a lot of pressure uh but they will go under eventually in, in that regard and we'll have to either uh, uh you know join them or 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 die uh if we see other countries that are crypto friendly i think they will do much better especially in the coming years uh and those that take an enforcer route uh, a, a regulation route will be punished uh because if i'm in switzerland and i want to buy a house uh, I will probably just, you know, declare it and do everything openly since there's many options for me there in that regard. So I'll, and I'll pay taxes. And if I'm an American, I'm probably going to be moving to Switzerland if I have a lot of crypto money, right? So that would be make Switzerland richer and America poorer. So uh, if you take that over a long period of years, I believe over the next five to eight years, uh, there won't be much energy behind regulation. And privacy will take predominance. And I'm so happy for that to happen and so much looking forward to. Um, the other the other alternative is that we don't have any cross-chain technology. We didn't really do anything decentralized. We were just, you know, doing NFTs and cashing in money. And we don't really do anything of value. And crypto implodes. And, and we morph into a world of CBDCs where, you know, or, or expenditure is public and, and regulated by the state, what you spend on and how much you may spend. And seizing is super easy. So hopefully we don't end up in that future. But we need to put in the work now and invest in decentralized projects now and use them and self-custody and, and just learn uh, to hopefully make that brighter future of, of true decentralization and privacy possible. That's so amazing that you let into that because you seem like such an interesting person to get their opinion of 
CBDCs on. That was one thing. I mean, just from listening to some of your previous interviews and some of the things that you said today, uh, maybe you'll give me a good soundbite from my interview on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I don't research enough on CBDCs because I just get pissed off. But we cannot let that happen. Like, it's fine if, if, like, I believe if states start creating CBDCs, um, it might accelerate their downfall. Uh, as an analogy, for instance, uh, uh, on electric vehicles, traditional automakers are producing electric vehicles at a loss, but that now they're forced to generate more of them and get into that space. And that's just exacerbating their problem because they're cannibalizing their own brands while generating a loss-making vehicle and reducing volume of, of the profitable vehicles. So them entering these new spaces is accelerating, accelerating their demise. Uh, likewise, I believe uh, in a world where, you know, we continue in the decentralized privacy and, and self-custody route uh, faithfully and, and, you know, determined in a determined way and as a community and society we keep using them and then we see on uh, states trying to bring on their their stable coins to the to the game uh that would just it's like uh when when somebody you know promotes an electric vehicle you know the person will just start researching and end up buying a tesla you know because it's just better cheaper uh, uh has more stuff uh, uh, better reviews, whatever. Think that also on 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 a CBDC. You know, transactions were slow. Uh, they were tracking my expenditure. They stopped these. They stopped that. I rather use Bitcoin. And um, now that they're into the crypto space because of the CBDCs, it's now more of the same. It's no longer this fringe case. They made it normal. Uh, so I hope that those failed attempts accelerate our adoption. But and CBDCs, if people on crypto are just here for the money and convenience and less clicks and less, you know, seed phrases and all of that, uh, and they just embrace CBDCs openly and take their crypto liquidity into CBDC liquidity, uh, then, then, you know, cash will be eventually prohibited and it will just get worse and worse and worse. Uh, you know, e-commerce will start, I accept CBDCs here and CBDCs only and uh, all of that. And that that can get bad very fast. But if there's no liquidity being exited from crypto, rather uh, just more people joining the crypto space because of the CBDCs, because we are building things of value and use, uh, then I think we will succeed and CBDCs will just increase the rate at which uh, uh, the fiat shitcoin uh, era ends faster. <laughs> so it sounds like we have a unique opportunity and it's a good thing there's good builders out there like you who are creating a decentralized future for us. So that, that very bleak one that you just painted hopefully doesn't come to pass. Yeah. One thing that we touched on earlier, but I wanted to go back to a little bit, is the ancient Mayans were a big inspiration for Maya, not just in name, it sounds like in some other parts as well. They were pretty technically, technologically advanced. 
So I was doing a bit of research and I read that the cacao beans were actually used as a form of currency for buying and trading goods. At one point, they were more valuable than pure gold and they were used as recently as 1850, uh, still for small change. So I thought that was very interesting. I'm learning more about money as I'm going down this rabbit hole. So I was wondering, besides the name now we learned, how else did the ancient Mayans inspire you? Are there any rituals? I know they're big into rituals that you maintain now in your personal or professional life and what have they yeah. brought to you now? Well, uh, cacao is, yes, obvious. Some guy on Twitter once said like, hey, why cacao? Like chocolate, so you know, like a caricature. But we explained the background on cacao because like, oh, I didn't know. Thank you. Today I learned. Uh, yeah, um, actually, cacao is a perfect name for a, for a token because nobody owned the production of cacao. Cacao was produced naturally then, it was it was totally wild, so it, it wasn't it, it wasn't domesticated yet, uh, and it grew out of trees. Uh, so people would you know harvest them and use them as a means of exchange. And the rate at which people exchanged stuff back then was not directed by anybody. It was just you know a deal one one like hey uh, you know how much do sheep run run for, uh, and they would calculate oh, okay I think it's like ten hammers. And 10 hammers I was giving for like three cacao. So, you know, 30 cacao will do. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> and cacao is just a way to uh, uh, to, uh, to be used as a store of value and means of exchange. And it really literally powered the Mayan economy beyond what uh, many, many other civilizations had. So uh, pretty interesting stuff uh, in that regard. And, and I just I just lo- love that uh, of, of what we chose to name or protocol. I love pre-Hispanic culture. Um, at the end of the day, in Guadalajara, where I'm based, we're too far north uh, to be too much involved culturally directly. Um, we do have, for instance, Dia de Muertos, Day of the Dead, on the 2nd of November, right after Halloween, uh, which is a nice celebration that, you know, I don't celebrate it in my family directly, especially because my family is even up from, you know, further north. Uh, but... But, you know, you'll go to a festival or something around and, and see these beautiful altars and you know, green cut chocolate with uh, dead bread, we call it. <laughs> so uh, pretty fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I believe uh, it's just a cultural heritage we, we have and, and that we were heavily uh, inspired by. Uh, and more importantly, I hope we inspire others. Uh, because uh, Latin Americans often think that the only way to make it is, you know, going to the U.S. and, uh, you know, IPOing there or doing a project in San Francisco. And there's a huge, you know, a brain uh, exile happening and people just going to work to Europe or the U.S. Uh, today with crypto, there's no borders. You can build at home and be pretty successful. So I hope Maya is one, one such example because uh, there's definitely many bright people working all around crypto. There's many Latin Americans uh, working different projects that I met. And you're like, hey, you're Latino. Hey, hola. And uh, we have to believe it, that we can do it. Uh, it's all, this is, crypto is no longer a market that's monopolized by, uh, by a state power uh, or, or by a currency or by Wall Street. Uh, rather, it's just something for all of us. And uh, if you have a laptop, which most of us have, or a smartphone, you can be part of it. So 
hopefully we can inspire others in Latin America through our obvious naming and obvious uh, show of hand that that we are that we're from from Mexico and from Argentina, and they'll hope hopefully join us building, and and really it is us who need it most underdeveloped countries where you know dictators often inflate uh, currencies beyond what they should and seize uh, property and all of that. We need this <laughs> a lot and we need adoption quick in, in, in places like Argentina and Venezuela. It's not a matter of speculative investing. It's a matter of whether you will eat or not. So uh, it's definitely more serious than many people seem to make it be. Uh, crypto for me is not an NFT. Crypto for me, it's a way to to bring freedom, economic security, uh, and just a future of prosperity for so many talented individuals all over the world, but especially in places where it's needed most, like Latin America. God, that was so inspiring to listen to. It, it's interesting, you know, I live in the United States and we're only just barely getting the touches of inflation. And I'm feeling the pains of it when I go to the store or the gas station, but you're right. I have no idea what it's like to live in Latin America and deal with what you're describing. And this can really change lives. And it's interesting to get that global perspective and being able to talk to you and meet people all across the world and find out the real world use cases. That's really what excites yeah. me. You know, uh, and you guys are seeing probably, you know, reportedly single digits inflation, uh, more likely lower single, lo lower double digit inflation. Uh, some of these Latin American countries are facing triple digit inflation. Like, that's just crazy. Uh, it's just like saying, you know, with it, it, your, your money just halved. So if you could buy something for a hundred dollars today, you would be, you would have to earn $200 next year or eat, eat, eat half or, you know, provide half of toys to your children or, you know, have half the budget for healthcare. So it's, it's terrible stuff. Really. It's, it's, it's sad. <laughs> uh, so, so we we need we need to work on it for them, and and it's this is not you know oh you know next cycle or in ten twenty years this is now people are suffering now, so so we need to to apply the urgency that this deserves. You know, Satoshi Nakamoto published uh, uh, the Bitcoin white paper after the fall of of uh, the stock market in two thousand eight, um, and you know started Bitcoin chain right after. It was rightly a, a, a manifesto against what was happening, which was uh, the government socializing the losses of these centralized groups uh, that fumbled the ball and inflate and further inflating or mean of exchange or means of exchange to bear that cost on top of the taxes we pay uh, and on top of on top of the debt to our children. Um, and, you know, they, it trickled down to every country, not only the U.S. So we in Mexico faced that, even though we didn't have any of the upside or decision power. Uh, the whole market collapsed all in the world, all over the world. So we need to stop that. We need to take that power away. We need take, to take that power in our hands. And we have the technology now to do it. It's up to us whether we, we put in the work and the, the slight inconvenience and the... Uh, um, you know, just awareness around us, like we're doing with this, with this podcast. Uh, so, you know, to make that future happen faster. Mm -hmm. 
So kind of along those lines, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you face right now in the space? And how did you or how are you overcoming them? Just being laser focused in security is difficult. You need to audit your code, implement bug bounties, be super careful. And it's just a lot of stake, like a very high stakes thing. Uh, so that's a big challenge and paying for the audits, which are obviously expensive, especially if you get any good ones, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that has been a challenge. Sourcing liquidity in this scarce market where people are kind of frightened. Yeah. <laughs> people are, people are also just, you know, saving up for the upcoming recession or just, you know, became burnt or uninterested in crypto because of recent events by central players, which, you know, doesn't make any sense for me. It validated. The crypto narrative, uh, but some people, you know, they keep asking me like, "How's your Bitcoin doing?" Huh? I'm like, <laughs> "Just fine," you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, th- th- that has been a challenge, and obviously, then just awareness. A lot of people disappearing uh, with with this downturn, uh, so it's diffi- more difficult to uh, uh, grow the roots of the community and get more followers, get more interest, get more awareness. So, uh, you know, shout out to anybody that uh, knows more ways to get awareness or more podcasts or spaces to join into. We're happy to participate in those because we just need to inform more people and and invite more people to join us in these missions. So, yeah, those would be the three challenges. uh, Security, uh, liquidity, Mm -hmm. awareness. And then on the flip side, I like to ask my guests what their biggest accomplishment is this in the space, I know that you're still building, but is there something that you're very proud of? I'm super proud of the liquidity node design, making Maya twice as capital efficient. Even if Maya fails, I think uh, we brought that to the cross-chain technology space. And uh, I think it will be uh, coming up for years to come in different protocols. Uh, so bonding liquidity is super powerful. And I think it, it will be it will be used often. Um, I'm part of where we are code-wise and, and uh, uh, how far we've gone in the audit process. Uh, we're, we're very close to finishing, uh, so part of that. Uh, and I'm also just you know part of the project we've done. I think people are endeared by, by our work and, and people have been treated with respect. And, and uh, a lot of people have been onboarded into what Fortune is doing and become more Fortune goals. Um, and... Um, just validating that what Torchain has done is truly amazing. Uh, I think we're proud of, of that uh, and bringing more light on that. Um, and I hope I'm going to be proud of a smooth launch <laughs> very soon. Uh, so they're going to be working on that and hopefully going to have that that uh, new new trophy in in our you know in our vaults. So. Uh, we have to keep working for that. What advice would you give to someone new who was looking to invest in the crypto space? Read white papers, ASAP, like do it. Just you know, Bitcoin white paper, few pages long, Ethereum white paper, just a few scrolls down. That that was a bit longer. Uh, and just read them in chronological order. Like don't, don't try to go to the newest stuff. Uh, just go like, you know, uh, Bitcoin is 2008. Uh, ETH is, Ethereum is like 2013, 14. Uh, so that's that's a good jump already. So if you can find somewhere to read in the middle, uh, there are some smart contract papers there. Um, if you're interested in privacy, read Monero white paper. 
So just read white papers. I think that's the best way to do your own research. Uh, really understand what is technically happen, happening and to notice that it's just not numbers and money go up. It's truly technology that people have been working very hard on uh, and that really have different use cases and, and, and design decisions and, and all of that. Um, so if you if you go chronologically to what my best kind of recommendation is, is especially if you want to understand Maya, is you read Bitcoin, then Ethereum, then Cosmos, then Thorchain, and then Maya. Uh, that's a great track. Um, and ignore ignore the rest. Just see what the devs are doing, the documentation, the code, the use cases that you think that could have. And eventually, they will have that use case. Eventually, they will be results. Um, you know, don't care too much about the current the current number. I know that you work a lot and you have a very noble purpose, but what do you enjoy doing in your free time for fun? Sure. I like to read. Those are my books. Um, I like to, uh, uh, I play paddle tennis, which I recommended by Twitter uh, uh, recently. It's a That's super right. fun game. Um, I play piano um, and I love, uh, I love food. Uh, so just trying out new food around and, uh, that experience, uh, going out to dinner with my fiance, I think is like the best plan for me and, uh, just learning new stuff. Um, um, I like learning new things every day, um, about tech, uh, cinematography, uh, education, curiosity, uh, whatever I can get my hands on that sparked my interest. I, I just like following that thread to wherever it will take me. I think it eventually will be of some use. Uh, so I just like accumulating more, more stuff. <laughs> I definitely see that you have this very curious mind and you also have a very technical mind. But what I like about you is even though you're so smart and I've heard you explain things in such a technical way that really go over my head, you also have a way of explaining things to me or, you know, like I'm a fifth grader and you can use these analogies and explain it in a very simple fashion. And I think that's a really great thing about you. Yeah. I think it's important uh, to have adoption and awareness to be able to explain stuff simply. Uh, I also think it shows honesty. You know, when people start using a lot of gibberish, it usually means they're hiding something and they want it to go over your head. And finally, I think it also denotes the understanding of the concepts. If you can explain them simply, uh, I think it denotes that that you truly understand what's what's going on. Um, so I also always recommend if you want to learn something in depth, explain it, <laughs> the more you explain it and the more challenges and difficulties you have in doing so will push you to learn it better and explain it better and understand it better inevitably. So, uh, one of the best ways to learn, uh, I think is teaching and I think teaching is, is very powerful for that. So I have a couple of quicker questions. I call this the quick take section. Okay. So I'm ready. Shorter answers. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? Wow. That's not a quick question. No. <laughs> <laughs> Typically just like the first thing that comes to mind. Wow. Well, I've been given a lot of advice. I think depending on what mood you are, it's the, it's uh, what, what answer you'll get. But I think the one I can think of now is from my dad. It's to save, save, save. Um, there's a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. And it says, 
Um, if you were poor with 100% of your salary, you're exactly as poor with 90% of it. So save 10%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think uh, I say this because uh, with the liquidity crunch going on, I've had to take from, from our savings uh, to keep Maya going. And, you know, thanks for that advice, Dad, if you're listening to this, because I wouldn't be able to do so if I hadn't heeded that advice. So, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, you know, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that. So I know that you have a massive bookcase there. So what was the last book you read? Um, Almanac. Pretty cool book, actually. It speaks about the leverage of code. So that's, that's, uh, that is uh, translatable to to crypto, so you can have the chance to read. It's very philosophical, uh, but it introduces a lot of learnings, in, and I think it's very inspiring uh, uh, as a book. Oh, there's another book, pretty cool, called Curiosity. Curiosity. Which I recommend a lot. Yeah. No, curious. Curious. Uh, let me give you the exact title. The title is Curious: The Desire to Know and Why Your Future Depends on It. Pretty cool book. It speaks about how we know people are curious why we are curious as a, as, as a species and uh, how to protect curiosity in, in, in others. Uh, so I think it's pretty interesting. I love curiosity. It's, I think it's a, uh, a lot of what drives us. So uh, I think it's so important to stay curious. That was a big motivator for me to want to do these podcasts and meet people because I'm endlessly curious. I could stay up all night researching new things and I just, I want to know everything there is to know and to have the opportunity to speak to someone like you and get to learn. I mean, how lucky am I? And I want to share that. So yeah. Yeah. What is your most used crypto slang? I think the one I've used most, uh, actually written and spoken is not your keys, not your coins. And I think it's uh, the most important for Thorchin and Maya where we're here. So, uh, yeah. And for those participating in the uh, in the liquidity auction and wanting to get a Maya airdrop, not your keys, not your fair drop. So do get your rune off exchanges and into your, into your wallets or LP positions. Well, I've definitely learned the hard way with some Bitcoin locked in Celsius right now. Not oh, please. I'm no, sorry for that. Uh, it's it's my own fault. I've been playing with DeFi long enough to know uh, it's a small amount, but it still it still hurts. Yeah, it's infuriating. <sighs> yeah, well, what happened was people that follow me know I had a, a DeFi wallet compromised. It was my own fault. I fell for a Discord scam. So I thought I'm just going to leave a tiny bit somewhere else just in case, you know, the worst happens again. You know, it's hard. Private custody is scary. So I was looking at private custody, trusting myself versus trusting someone else. It's hard to trust yourself. And I. Yeah, it's I, responsibility. So, yeah. you know, uh, uh, um, with a lot of responsibility comes power as well. So, uh, you know, Spider Man says it the other way around. But I think as you become responsible for your own decisions, for your own situation, for your own resources, you become more powerful. So uh, the power lies with you. So yeah, it's it's high responsibility, it's high stakes, and it's it, it's something you need to take seriously. Uh, be careful with your, your seed phrase, not sharing it, uh, um, not falling for, for quick quick gains. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a road every single person needs to learn on their own. I believe that as much as I wanted to learn from other people's mistakes, unfortunately, I, I had to learn from my own. Complete the sentence. Decentralized finance is? The future. Ooh. 
I like that. And it's a beautiful future <laughs> that you're building. So just a couple of last words, speaking of future, what excites you the most about the future of crypto, Web3, and DeFi? The complete development of a cross-chain, multifunctional, cross uh, uh, decentralized exchange. So that we can do everything uh, central exchange typically does, just decentralized, trustlessly, and better. But when we achieve that, that's a whole new grail, and I think we're close. So I would say that. Because not your keys, not your crypto, as we have learned. Yeah, exactly that. And because it's 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 truly continuing the vision of, of crypto, right? If we're not doing that, then what are we doing? What is one thing you want people to know about you or you hope that they take away from this interview? That we take what we do very seriously and that we really hope we further that mission that we that, that I mentioned uh, and that we really impact that positively. Well, thank you so much for your time today. As always, so smart, so insightful, and we're very excited for the launch. For those that want to learn a little bit more about you, about Maya, where can I link them to follow you and find some more information? Um, yeah, you can go to uh, or Linktree. It's uh, linktree.ee slash MayaProtocol. You can put it on the description. Uh -huh. um, there you'll see a lot of backlinking to our Discord or white paper some other podcasts um, or website, uh, the Maya Academy with a few articles that explain a lot of what we're doing in more simple terms. And uh, yeah, we, you can find everything there. So uh, go right ahead, <laughs> click away. Uh, and if you like more insights or Discord is also the best way to go. We have a channel there of deep discussions. You can post uh, you know, the hardest questions there. And you can also follow me at Twitter, uh, Alex Smith. The last thing I realized you taught me today was that money does grow on trees. When you said that the cacao bean grows on trees. <laughs> so it really does. It really does. <laughs> so obviously not financial advice, but uh, cacao grows on trees, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's a good, it's a, it's a good slogan. If you're looking for, yeah, exactly. If you're looking for a marketing slogan. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it was great fun to catch up with you and I'm really excited to watch all of your progress. I truly feel that you're one of the good ones and I knew it when I met you. I just could feel that you're going to do great things. So thank you so much for thank your time and looking thank forward Thank you so much to you too. Thank you for having us and happy to, to be here again when, when you invite us next and uh, see you, see you on my lunch. Of course, looking forward to it. Chat soon. Awesome. See ya. Bye-bye.